friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week it is Location Weekly. It's episode number 575. We are recording on June the 28th. And uh, Abriana, how are you? I am good. Same as always. You know, I'm here. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. It's been uh, a nice little run here in Toronto and the weather quite hot and uh humid already and we're not even in july but that that's okay um you know my baseball teams kind of struggled the last week but uh they won last night so that's good and uh other than that you know life is just marches on right yeah just trying to navigate the new like summer schedule here and get into a rhythm and routine so that's been a little fun but yeah, I mean, same thing every day, just trying to figure it out <laughs> as we go along. Exactly. Okay, cool. Well, we have a, an interesting show for you this week. Um, three stories this week because we do have a special guest, uh, which I'll uh, talk about a little bit later uh, on our show. But uh, nice to have guests coming back again. Um, but in the meantime, I'll let Arana kick us off with our first story. All right, so um, let's go over to a London-based company, Waymap, and they have a goal of helping the visually impaired navigate their surroundings. Uh, they're starting right now with public transit, and what's really interesting about this to me is that the founder and CEO, his name is Tom Pei, uh, he obviously knows a thing or two about this as he lost his sight at 39 years old, which is, um, you know, I can't even imagine, like, having to transition into that, you know, at that age and, and having to, to run a company. I mean, it's like one amazing um, success story, I think, from, from his side, but also just like the insight that he has into this has to be uh, very concrete, right? So he just concluded a recent pilot with Waymap in Washington, D.C. Um, for their metro. And really their goal is to map all the metro routes first. Um, and then to expand it to other places like hotels and hospitals and museums, you know, other public places like that. Um, what's interesting is that they, some of the, the like fine print in this article was talking about how the average blind person uses two and a half routes. Um, and you have to think about this. It's like so much for them to remember that step by step and turn by turn while still maintaining their safety. Um, you know, think about crossing streets and all of those things, right? So. I think that what's really cool here is this is potentially opening up a whole new world for those that are visually impaired to step outside and go other places besides, you know, maybe the grocery store or um, I don't know, the post office or wherever those two and a half, three places, you know, are that they, they frequent, right? Um, so what I also want to highlight here is that this isn't just a feel good story, although I really like that about this, but it's actually some really impressive technology behind the scenes that's happening. So they don't use GPS to track users. They actually are tapping into the smartphones um, inertial measurement unit sensors. So you think of like the accelerometers and the barometers and all of those things to get data about like how fast does somebody walk? What is their gait like? Are they going up and or down the stairs? You know, what direction are they facing? All of those things. And then WaveMap has developed its own algorithm and, um, you know, it basically can identify what are 5,000 possible exact like locations and, um, you know, I would say like 
positionally, directionally facing uh, where a user might be based uh, on their next step so that they can provide exact instructions to users. And what, you know, what they were saying is like, this is not just like, okay, turn right in hundred feet. No, this is like step-by-step step what they're going to do saying, hey, you know, you need to turn to 10 o'clock and take four steps. Um, so really they, they're getting very, very granular and really helping um, anybody navigate this. So they're gonna take, right now for this trial, they took the maps from local transit authorities and open street maps, that's kind of their goal. But for this one, they actually use LIDAR scans to map the, the DC stations and also 360 degree video. So they can also identify obstacles. Think of like trash cans and benches or pillars, you know, seating areas, all of those things. Um, and then one of the other goals they have is like when they get to critical mass adoption from the app usage, uh, they really want to be able to have um, like a, a data startup, right? So that you could donate data of wayfinding so that you can help others who are kind of navigating as well. Um, so I think that's a really cool application of ways to share your location data and how to use it for a good cause. Um, they recently closed out a 4.9 million pre-Series A, and then they are looking to raise Series A next year um, and expecting to be profitable shortly after. So I think this is a really great story. I love the technology behind it. Um, I love that this is tied to a personal experience. I mean, I think that everything about this is just phenomenal. So completely agree with everything you've just said. I think it's an amazing story. And I think the best startups are the ones that come from, you know, personal experience and, and uh, you know, where you can build on the use cases that you're familiar with. Um, so I love that aspect of this um, and, uh, you know, how Waymap came to be. A couple of comments on things you said, like, so first of all, um, you know, I, I you know, the, the whole idea of not using GPS data here, but relying on, you know, the, the sensors in the smartphone itself be it the barometric sensors, accelerometers, gyroscopes, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, that's super interesting to me because I think that um, for the most part, we're still so early days in, you know, brands and um, technology companies and, and advertising, you know, actually leveraging some of that data to create great experiences. And I think for me, this is that, that that's what this is here. It's about creating a much more holistic better experience for the visually impaired person. You know, I, uh, as I was hearing you talk about that part of it, I was, you know, my mind went to our old uh, buddy, uh, Ellie Portnoy, um, you know, and his company Sense360, you know, where, you know, you know, looking at some of those things around, uh, you know, using the sensor data within the devices to, to you know, sort of power in, in their case, ad experiences. But I think it's, it's just an underutilized, um, you know, thing in, in the mobile phones these days, and we're not doing enough with it yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited by that. Um, you know, I, I think the, the space that they're in around, you know, addressing issues around visual impairment, I think there's still a lot of room. Uh, you might remember on this show, oh, wow, probably three years ago, maybe more. Um, no, it's probably more than that now. Um, we covered a company called Le Chal, um, and they, uh, or a, um, a footwear manufacturing company. And they had created uh, some shoes for visually impaired people uh, with an app, in their case, using GPS technology, but the shoes themselves had haptic sensors built into them that you know would basically pulse on the left side or the right side 
indicating to that person they should turn right or left or move forward or stop or, you know, whatever the case might be. So, you know, I think there's there's a lot of, uh, of opportunities here. I like that, you know, even though it's, this is a, uh, a UK, uh, London-based company, you know, they're, you know, this test is happening in Washington, D.C., that they're running this with the public transit uh, system there, 25 metro stations, 1,000 bus stops. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of positives here and I you know I'm always excited by these kinds of stories and and uh, when people are using our you know location data and tech to create great immersive experiences that you know are incredibly helpful so love it all right on to our second story now so we're going to jump all, all the way over to uh, South America and specifically Peru where um, there's a company out there um, called KiwiBot, and this is their based in Colombia. They're a robot delivery startup, and uh, what's a little bit unique about them is they're using their robots to disrupt the out-of-home industry. So they they have a fleet of 1,200 robots, uh, and they've been reaching 200,000 food deliveries in cities uh, with these robots. Um, and now in Peru, what they're going to do is use these robots for advertising. So they're not delivering anything. They're, you know, they have screens on them and they're basically, um, you know, trying to disrupt the, the out-of-home advertising space. And so uh, picture, you know, a fleet of robots rolling around, you know, your local shopping mall or, you know, uh, outdoor uh, marketplace area. Um, you know, the ads go on autonomously. Uh, they find, you know, in, intersect with people along their path. Um, and then they're basically creating impressions for whatever, you know, the ad is that, that's running on, on the robots. Um, and they're running a pilot of this at a place called Jockey Plaza, which is a shopping mall in Lima, Peru. And uh, they do plan on taking this to other cities and airports and trade shows and festivals and things like that. Anywhere where there's sort of high traffic of, of you know, pedestrian uh, traffic. Uh, and robots can come alongside and, you know, create some sort of... Uh, engagement with uh, with that audience. Uh, they're also developing technology um, to, you know, aid with the measurement of, of the campaigns themselves. So this includes, you know, how many people have interacted uh, with the ad, impressions achieved, conversions, sales generated, and things like that. Um, so it, it's, I think it's an interesting approach. Um, you know, I don't think from a technology point of view, it's it's so disruptive, but I like the idea of using a fleet of robots, you know, as an out-of-home you know, placement uh, alternative. To me, that makes some interesting sense. Um, it, there it was some mention in the article that I was reading about. Uh, there's a company called Cheetah Mobile in China, which is doing something very similar with a fleet of 7,000 robots in 1,000 shopping malls in China. And so uh, it's not, you know, sort of a, a, a whole new model, but but I think it, it could be a one that could create a lot of uh, new eyeballs and, and um, new impressions, um, you know, just approaching it in a different way. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is approaching digital out of home in a, in a unique and different way. We've seen some of the robots in like the, what was it, giant Eagle stores that were kind of helping facilitate more like wayfinding or or um, product finding. So this is a new a new play. Um, what I like about this is like the ability to bring in all of that data and analytics and not necessarily rely on, let's say an Uber driver who's like being routed and 
where they're going to be. Uh, it's a little bit more planned, a little, probably a little bit more static uh, in the aspect of like knowing who's in specific locations at specific times in terms of an audience. Um, so I think this is very interesting. Uh, and I'm interest, also like intrigued that they're rolling this out in Peru of all places. Um, so yeah, I think this is a trend to keep an eye out to see if it, it kind of uh, expands and starts to take shape in other areas, but we shall see, right? <laughs> we shall see, indeed. Um, uh, all right, now before we go on to uh, our final story, uh, I did mention at the top of the show we do have a special guest this week. Uh, so I had the opportunity um, a few days ago to sit down with Nick Patrick. Nick is the co-founder and CEO of Radar, which uh, is a member of the uh, LBMA and, um, you know, doing some interesting things in the world of, uh, you know, um, SDKs, uh, gathering location data embedded in apps, uh, have a, a wide array of retail clients, um, but I'll kind of shut up about it and let you hear directly from Nick Patrick, co-founder and CEO of Radar. Here he is. If, uh, so my name is Nick Patrick. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Radar. Uh, Radar is the leading geofencing platform, and, and we power use cases like curbside pickup, store locators, uh, location-based messaging for brands like Panera, T-Mobile, uh, American Eagle Outfitters. We primarily focus on APIs and SDKs uh, for mobile apps. So that's um, functionality for geofencing and geocoding, place visit detection, uh, things like that. Um, and we're based in New York City. Amazing. So uh, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you focus mostly on uh, SDKs uh, embedded in apps and things like that. Uh, and obviously, you, you know, on the geofencing side of, of the equation uh, in our community. But, you know, to me, like that seems to be, um, you know, something that's that's evolving rapidly in our space. Right. Obviously, um, you know, location data, privacy rules and things like that are, are uh, a constant battle that our whole industry is, is dealing with. Apple's making lots of changes. Google's making lots of changes. You know, uh, the government, um, you, you know, uh in the u.s in particular is uh you know there's a draft bill now for you know uh, the u.s version of gdpr you know wh where do you guys sit on kind of some of those things yeah um well i think there are two trends we can talk about one is privacy and the shift towards first party data um so radar uh doesn't do anything with third party data um we help apps and brands that use the platform um collects uh first party data in a privacy conscious way and uh, power app experiences or contextual messaging based off of, of that. Um, so we can talk a little bit more about that. I think the, you know, the second thing that we see is, what we sort of talk about is the Amazon effect or the Uber effect. I, I think we as consumers um, are used to, you know, hailing an Uber, dropping a pin on the map, you can see the car coming to you, see the ETA. You know, we order a package on Amazon, we can type in our address, package shows up at our doorstep the next day. So these really frictionless, seamless experiences um, oftentimes mediated by mobile apps. That's, that's where we see a lot of the most innovative um, brands and companies investing, whether that's you know brick and mortar brands that we work with like Panera or American Eagle Outfitters or more digital first brands that we work with like uh, Ibotta or, or T-Mobile. 
Yeah, and and so like speaking of some of those brands, you know, like is is there kind of one particular uh, example of of a client of yours that you've worked with where you've seen really great engagement or or <laughs> a unique application of of your technology that you want? Yeah, to I can I can give you a couple examples. So um, we power a wide variety of use cases on the brick and mortar side. Um, we've been powering a lot of use cases around curbside pickup arrival detection. So Panera Bread, for example uses the radar SDK in their app. Uh, when somebody places an order for curbside pickup, we can help Panera understand when they're on their way, when they're five minutes away, when they've arrived and um, improve operational efficiency and, and decrease wait times for, for curbside pickup. Um, we're also seeing a lot of retailers invest in location-aware app experiences. So we power uh, an in-store experience for American Eagle Outfitters. You download the American Eagle app and you go to one of their stores. Um, radar uh, geofencing will say, hey, this, this device is in the store, unlock this self-checkout feature. Um, we also support uh, Joanne, um, which is, which is a um, uh, arts and crafts retailer um, with uh, in-store only coupons uh, that are unlocked uh, with, with geofencing. And then on the digital first side, we work with Ibotta. Um, <clears throat> there are rewards and uh, payments app, and we help them understand when somebody visits a Starbucks, visits a Walmart um, with our uh, place detection capabilities. Um, and they've seen really um, dramatic increases in push notification open rates with these location triggered and, and location targeted notifications. So kind of a wide range of applications, both brick and mortar and digital first. And again, it kind of all comes back to first party data, you know, mobile SDKs, um, really getting clear opt-in and consent from end users and doing this in kind of a privacy conscious uh, future-proof way. Yeah, and that's it's super important, right? And I think that you know, you you mentioned the example um, about Uber, um, and how you know how that works in terms of knowing you know where where the driver is and so on. And I, and I think at the end of the day, you know, when you're when you're taking these types of applications and you're getting that kind of consent, you have to be really you know good about articulating your value proposition, right? What is that that exchange? You know, in terms of I, yes, I need Absolutely. data from you as a consumer, but I'm giving you this utility that, you know, is beneficial, right? And I think if you can do that really well, then then people tend to opt in, people tend to, you know, sort of participate. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, when we started the company back in 2016, things were a lot different, right? It was much easier to request location permissions, both on iOS and Android. Actually, wasn't even a separate background permission on Android. And it was kind of the Wild West. I mean, there were a lot of apps collecting location data, selling it to, you know, data brokers and whatnot. Um, those days are over. You know, Apple and Google have really raised the bar for requesting location permissions. Uh, you got to make it very clear to end users what they're opting into, what value they're getting out of it. Um, as it should be, right? And so, um, you know, at Radar, we see that as the future. We think those trends are only going to continue. And we focus on helping brands basically, um, you know, request permissions and get opt-in in a super privacy-conscious way, be really thoughtful about the data they're collecting, how long they're persisting it, where it's being sent, um, so on and so forth. So I think that's exactly right. Yeah, qu quick kind of follow-up on that, though. Like, the um, when you look at sort of, the post-COVID world, like that we're in now, and you know, brands, you know, bricks and mortar retailers in particular, trying to you know recover and and get traffic back to store. Are you seeing a lift now, like in terms of from a data perspective and engagement point of view? Are you starting to see that in, in with the, the brands that you're working with? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we saw a lot of new habits really take hold during COVID. Things like curbside pickup, 
drive-through as a channel delivery. And uh, we're only seeing that continue. So I, again, I think consumers are really used to these frictionless um, mobile order ahead experiences. You're seeing a lot of uh, leading QSRs and retailers kind of encode this stuff in their physical store footprints, um, you know, launching things like drive-through only restaurants or, um, you know, um, mo mobile, mobile pickup only uh, windows to pick up orders or reserving parts of the store footprint for, you know, order ahead fulfillment, things like that. So definitely seeing it continue. And um, I think we're helping, you know, QSRs and retailers think through how uh, an app can be sort of a digital companion to those physical experiences. And we, uh, we think about our mission at Radar as connecting the digital and physical worlds. So sort of being this mediating layer between the two. And, um, you know, a lot of these brands are encouraging folks to come out to um, uh, their physical stores again. People are moving around the world again. Um, and uh, the app should be aware of whether you're, you know, at home, uh, off-premise, on-premise, and, um, you know, show you content and features accordingly. So uh, Radar powers all sorts of different use cases uh, related to that. Awesome. That, that, that's, that's great. And, and, and I like how you describe that of connecting, you know, both the physical and digital worlds and the app sort of being aware of, you know, where you are and, and, and what the context might be. Yeah. And, and I'll, really, so. yeah, I'll, I'll say too, like, I, I think we've historically been pretty focused on mobile, but um, we see this trend, you know, outside of brick and mortar, uh, we see travel companies starting to invest again. Um, you know, we, uh, see things like augmented reality and self-driving cars and, and, and drones is all being about location context. And, um, you know, so our long-term vision is to be a location layer for all those use cases and all those um, uh, platforms. So we, we think about our long-term vision as uh, location infrastructure for, for every product and service. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time for our listeners and, and viewers out there. We've been chatting with Nick Patrick. He's co-founder and CEO of Radar. We really appreciate you taking time to uh, to come and join us on uh, Location Weekly. And uh, we'll hopefully see you soon at uh, one of our conferences or somewhere else in person where you can uh, hang out with, uh, with Nick and uh, some of the Radar people. That'd be great. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much, Lasif. Thanks, Nick. We really appreciate you coming on the show uh, and uh, hopefully see you uh, and some of your colleagues at uh, Retail Loco and, and other things that we're doing later in the year. So uh, thanks for doing that. Good stuff. Let's head over to our final story and uh, talk a little bit about Walmart, who is now partnering with Roku. Um, so they are creating these new experiential um, and shoppable TV streaming kind of like e-commerce um, commercials, right? So what's going to happen here is that Roku streamers will be able to purchase a specific featured product or products that would be fulfilled on um, via Walmart directly on Roku. Uh, so obviously Roku has a massive scale in terms of streaming platforms. And this is really going beyond what we've seen, I think traditionally in either connected devices or OTT or CTV, which has been um, you know, QR codes on screens, the ability to scan something and then purchase from there. But what's interesting is that, you know, Roku has already has the, the setup that, that your uh, purchase information and your purchase data is already kind of captured there. So everything that happens in terms of you making a purchase to the system is already saved. You don't need to re-enter your credit card number. Everything is already there when you set up that system. So what's really cool is that Walmart and potentially other retailers in the future would have the ability to 
evaluate shopper behaviors, you know, scale commerce offerings. They can also look at like how they want to, how do consumers want to shop? Do they want to do this during moments of entertainment or, you know, is there something perhaps within the content at some point that they can loop in, right? Um, they're watching content, something happens in a storyline, and now they can kind of tie that back to specific products, who knows. Um, but really how it works is that it, the viewers would be served with a shoppable ad and the uh, remote, you can just kind of press OK. The payment details are pre-populated, as I mentioned, and then from there, Walmart checkout page would just place the order, send an email confirmation, uh, you know, with all of those details like shipping, everything else. Um, I like that Roku is thinking about this holistically um, and that they're thinking about like targeting optimization and measurement. So really like a full funnel and end to end play here. Um, you know, also noted was that how they had previously partnered with Kroger to enable them to run some of their um, their own like grocery data we know Kroger is like they've got their precision insights they've got a whole separate team that is really tied to data so being able to pull that in for closed loop attribution and for a measurement campaign um, is really interesting so I think they're thinking about this really from like top to bottom which is really cool um, and I really believe this is the way of the future right it's like creating more of that impulse buy opportunities throughout all digital media and not necessarily like just upper funnel or just like in the future, um, but really being able to drive like the here and now through television, mobile, you know, whatever the digital interaction is, eventually maybe digital out of home, right? Um, so I, I think that this is the way that a lot, we're gonna see a lot of the connected television, smart TV, you know, that inventory and that media, you know, experiences enough to be able to do this. So, you know, Roku's kind of the first leading the way here. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there will be others following very shortly. Yeah, I think this is brilliant. I think it's a it's a great move by Roku and, and of course, uh, of great benefit to Walmart in terms of driving, you know, product sales. You know, like, as I was listening to you, what was coming into my head was really thinking about, you know, growing up watching, you know, television sitcoms and, you know, in those days, uh, you know, there was a lot of focus uh, on product placement, right? You would have like brands, you know, sponsoring shows and, you know, making sure Coke was, you know, seen sitting on the table or, you know, whatever furniture that, you know, they were sitting on or, you know, whatever the case might be. A lot of that, you know, shows like Friends and things like that. You saw a lot of that in those days. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting to think about now with, you know, streaming services, you know, like Roku and, and, you know, uh, Amazon, you know, TV and, and Netflix and others, you know, about the opportunities for brands to, you know, to get engaged um, in this way and to have, you know, things be shoppable where, you know, hey, I really like that, you know, that blouse that, you know, so-and-so is wearing on that show or, you know, why can't I just buy it uh, right then and there, um, you know, or, you know, whatever the case might be. Even, even something as crazy as like a car, because we know like, there are people who are buying cars online, um, you know, without sight unseen. Um, so I, th I think there's a lot of opportunity for these types of, of services. And I think from a data perspective, it's rich, right? Because you, you have, you know, the connectedness, you have the profiles, you have the, you know, the uh, credit card data, you have a lot of things here um, that, you know, make this, you know, way more insightful and valuable to a brand and to, 
you know, a retailer than, you know, historically we would have had in, in, in traditional television media or, or other things. So I like it. And, and I think from a, a retailer point of view to comment on the Walmart or the Kroger piece of this, I think at the end of the day, yes, you're filling the basket, um, you know, and you're, you're driving online sales and, and shipping products out. You know, I think it'd be interesting to, to, to even go one step further here and see if there's some way to drive incentive for store visit to, you know, come pick up your, you know, your product that you just ordered and maybe then incrementally spend more while you're there. Um, you know, that, that could be interesting uh, here, right? And I, so I think, I think there's a lot of opportunities. It, it, it's kind of, in some ways, it's a little bit like, um, you know, a, a, a different spin on, if you remember the, um, the dash buttons that Amazon had played with a long time ago, right? Where you have the little button beside your washing machine and when you run out of, you know, Tide, you hit the button and it places an order, you know, through your Amazon account. Um, in some ways, it, it's it's kind of like that, except now it's it, it's based on on data and what the content is and, and what you're watching, and then we drive, you know, sort of some experience there or opportunity for you to purchase. So, I, I I like it. I think it's it's cool. It's a good start. Yeah, for sure. And and just to like two quick things that you brought up. One was, you know, recently I was watching a, a show with my kids, and there was like this cute jacket, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's something I could find. And the only way to be able to do that really at this point is I'm like, okay, pause the TV, take a picture, see if I can find it on Pinterest through their image search, you know, not coming up with anything, but imagine if I could have just like clicked and purchased for my child or, you know, like, oh, that's really cute. Um, I think that that opens up a whole just, I mean, plethora of opportunities for the industry. So you think about how there's like new revenue opportunities. It used to be, okay, we're going to sell that placement to Coke. They're going to be drinking a Coke or a Pepsi. You guys choose, you know, and there's that placement, but now it's like everything is shoppable, you know, that would be amazing. And the other, uh, talking to a friend in the industry recently, who is very much like at the forefront of what's happening um, in connected television and media in general, he was saying that there's a, there's um, something called spirit TV where they're showing like how to make cocktails and he can actually click and have something uh, from his television and it's delivered in like an hour to his house. So like, this is not a new concept, like this is happening. Uh, but imagine being able to do this at scale across multiple products. Like that is where we're talking about going. Uh, so this is just scratching the surface. There you go. So lots going on, lots of uh, interesting, you know, technology applications and uh opportunities for brands to uh, to get engaged with consumers and leveraging location data. So that's our show for this week. Uh, thank you for listening and watching. It's been episode number 575 of Location Weekly. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Nick Patrick uh, from Radar. And uh, we'll be back next week with yet another show. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.